Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Caleb. I'm a pile of headphone sadness. I'm also sad. Okay, Caleb. I've I've hidden this from you, my friend. Okay. Because I wanted to reveal to be recorded live. That's fair. This is a highly edited podcast. Oh, I know about this. Okay. You broke your headphones. To say I broke them is correct, but they really just broke. (laughs) Are you saying they broke themselves? There was a stress fracture and just me putting them on my head stressed them enough to just break. They got tired of being on your noggin and you went to put them on and they just said, I cannot do this anymore and committed headphone suicide. You can kind of see it on the other side where the... Where yeah, that's where they're bending. Wide head and they're sad. Uh, apparently, so that's one part of the sadness. The second part of the sadness, I do have. So wait, what I'm what I'm hearing is that Matt has a big head. Yes, I mean it's <laughs> verifiable in hallways. But the other thing that happened is my earbuds have also. I lost a bud at work the other day. One of those? One of your in ears? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. What I've been using is my Beats earbuds, <laughs> just going back and forth. I have spares. Why didn't you say something? When have we talked about earbuds? Uh, I see you every day. Matt, but literally the issue is that you haven't talked about it, because had you talked about it, you would have got a spare. But when the other ones broke, you immediately sent me an image. Like, you texted me while we were both at work. <laughs> About your headphones breaking. Whenever you lose an earbud, I had a workaround, so it was like, yeah, whatever. The headphones breaking, I was on a, I was about to get on a call. It just broke. So I'm sitting there on our phone call, our early, our morning huddle, <laughs> like this. Right. <laughs> you should have just embraced that you could only hear out of one side and just let it hang. And just dare anybody to say anything about it. So I, I do have my nice uh, in-ears, which, you know, they're wonderful and I do like them. And the earbuds that I have, the the bud part fits. I need to order some new ones. I just haven't gotten around to it. Well, you might be able to borrow some from your wife, who apparently has spares. Like, there's some in my desk here, I think. But also, I know for a fact that there's a bag of spare covers from those red Evo ones on my nightstand. Oh. Like, I saw them the other day, and I was like, I should put those somewhere. And I was like, no, that's a good place for them, because I might need one. There you go. So, I didn't tell you earlier, Caleb, when we hopped on to, you know, just debrief, because I wanted some live reaction. And That's that's fair. I'm pretty sure that my live reaction was more underwhelming than you expected. I don't know if it was or not. <laughs> okay, so I've I've lowered your expectations. It's not nearly as much as, like... I really just wanted live reaction. I didn't, you know, I didn't need, uh, I didn't want to tell you the story and then hop on the podcast where I knew I was going to tell the story and then tell the story again. I feel like that was just going to be awkward. I feel like had I known the story ahead of time, though, I would have had a better reaction because to me, this seems like a, not a real problem at all. You would have been able to to articulate a little bit of a, oh, no, that's so sad. Not so Matt has a big head. Right. Not like like why why is this a problem? <laughs> like the headphones still function? Well like how long have you had them? Uh two years. Right. So like planned obsolescence, unless you're spending 
$800. You know, they were $100, but they I've also had to replace the cable already. So, I mean, it's a thing. And I, I need to get better ones, but I don't know when I'm going to get better ones because these in-ears are pretty freaking nice. I think also, Matt, the fact that I'm in the context of I've packed my uh, good headphones in a box and I'm listening to this conversation <laughs> through my Bluetooth beanie. I think that that might make it to where I just like I I have less less concern. You're like at least you have headphones and you're not having to wear a hat. Oh, so you had a spare, is what you're saying, Matt? I have spares. I did let my child use uh my Beats, and uh, she has not come home yet, and so I'm a little terrified about their uh further existence. But she said she had a pair of Bose QC35s. That her grandparents got her uh, that have lasted quite a bit. Um, they finally she's had one them of for the what, ears, two years, three years, two at least, maybe three. One of the ears finally gave out, so they've lasted longer than your headphones. They're still attached because she has an appropriately sized noggin, but electronically it stopped working. Yeah, I don't know. This just seems like not a real problem. Besides that, maybe you could have got some duct tape and kept going. Do you not keep duct tape at your desk, Matt? No. Also, also, Matt is opposed to fixing things and making them work and getting by. He is a complain, 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 spend a bunch of money. So, Caleb, have you, have you seen the new Kindle? God, here we go. The Kindle scribe. I want one. Define scene. Are you aware that it exists? I've seen hundreds of them. The new Kindle scribe. Okay. So it's the 10.2 with a pen. Here's the thing. I really want one. This is the crux of the matter. I really, really want one. Why? My daughter asked the other day, Dad, why do you need one? And I said, I need one because it's new and shiny and I want it. (laughs) Oh, okay. We just have almost opposite philosophies when it comes to technology. I do not upgrade until mine becomes unfunctional. Amanda is real salty about it until she gets a new iPhone because I want a new iPhone. In which case her saltiness abates. See, I don't even do that. I... I always get an iPhone that's at least a generation behind because it's cheaper and I can still do all the things I need to do. So those are our updates. Caleb, do you have any updates you'd like to give us? Our updates. Those are your updates. Yeah. Amanda, do you have any independent updates? Yes, I do. I started a new job two weeks ago and it's going well. That's exciting. I mean, new job is a strong word. I still work for the same company, but I am in accounting now. I'm an accounting specialist. Following the resignation of UK Prime Minister Liz Truss on Thursday, a fan account for Larry, chief mouser to the cabinet office, published a now viral tweet sharing it was the feline's turn to take office. Turns out that's a great it's a great tweet, by the way. It is. Larry has been in the residence of 10 Downing Street since February 2011. I have a question. Oh, go on. What is a mouser? Macy. Macy is a mouser. Oh, so it's cat that chases mice? Yeah. So when you proposed this to us originally, I really thought it said chief mouse. And I was like, why do they have a mouse? Did you scroll down and see the picture, Amanda? No. You need to scroll down and see the picture. <gasps> oh, he's so cute. Yeah, this is a picture of Larry the cat sitting at a little podium 
outside of 10 Downing Street. And it says, the king has asked me to become prime minister because this nonsense has gone on long enough. And I love it. Listen, Prince Charles is about to have his first new prime minister. It is. We talked about that, like, the last thing that the queen did as the queen was, like, invite a prime minister to form a government in her name. And when the queen died, she just could no longer uphold a government in the queen's name. And so she rightly stepped aside. That is not why she stepped aside. Wait. I'm sorry. Go on, but come back to me. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't have nice words yet. There's a discrepancy. (gasps) What is it? So... The tweet that says the king has asked me to become prime minister and it's the cat with the podium. Mm-hmm. If you continue scrolling in the article, there's another photo of a cat. And it says above an image of Larry, chief mouser at 10 Downing <gasps> Street, London. It is not the same cat. Those are different cats. Which one is it? Uh, You know what, though? I think they might be the same cat. The bottom one is gray and white and the top one is like orangish brown. I think it's a lighting issue. Yeah, it might be a lighting issue because they're both they're both striped. They have the same mark on their uh Here's what happened. It's a bad Photoshop. The top picture first is clearly photoshopped and they did a bad job. They did. They did not color correct appropriately. So, it's definitely the bottom cat is a real cat. And I think it's the same cat because like the coloration, the markings are the same even though the tinting is different. Okay, and the the Twitter profile photo of Larry the cat is the same as the second one. Yes, much more Larry. You're right. Okay, thank you for talking me off the ledge, but I was really... You know what? That's that's good journalism right there. Asking the right questions. It's just a bad Photoshop in in the one, which is a cute picture, like I have to say, sitting in front of the whole podium. Very cute picture, but bad Photoshop. So Larry has officially outlasted four prime ministers... As the the chief mouser? Yeah. And Caleb, do you know what that means? Caleb, it means we had a very short prime minister. We did. How how long was he the prime minister? Or she? How long was she the prime minister? Liz Truss was the prime minister for 4.1 Scaramucci's. So Anthony Scaramucci, of course, is the... um, the White House press secretary that lasted 10 days under President Trump. Although someone has responded to this tweet, and I think it's a good point that, oh, by the way, this tweet has 100,000 likes, you guys. I mean, I liked it, so. <laughs> Scaramucci, man, who knew? Okay, the response, though, is the the fact that Scaramucci is an American unit of measure. Correct. The British equivalent is the Lady Jane Grey, who was Queen of England for nine days, but then overthrown by Henry VIII's daughter, Mary Tudor. So a Lady Jane Grey is nine-tenths of a Scaramucci, so therefore Liz Truss lasted 4.9 Lady Jane Greys. So there's some there's some unit conversion. Of course, we're not one of us is using the metric system, one of us is using the imperial system, so you know, you gotta go back and forth between the two. Although in this case, I think the Scaramucci is actually the the metric unit here. Um, obviously, being a multiple of 10, it has to be. But the point nine is the imperial measurement. Correct, because it's literally imperial. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely want to go with the imperial system because we're Americans. Rather than the American measurement, which is just slightly off. I don't think the math works out, though. 
the the math is wrong. It's not four point nine, Lady Jane Grey's. It's four point five. Prime Minister for forty one days. Forty one divided by nine is four point five. But she's still gonna be Prime Minister for a little bit longer. Oh, she didn't sit down immediately. No, they have to get a new Prime Minister first. So by the end of next week, dude. Why do they keep electing conservatives? <laughs> the same reason anyone in this country would still continue to vote conservative after some of the messes we've seen in the last decade. We had, what's her name? Uh, Theresa May. And then Boris Johnson. And then this. Like, what is going on over there? So, Matt, what you have to understand is that the conservative party is in power right now. Well, I know that. As a conservative party is in power, they get to choose the prime minister. So they have no one qualified. Well, you have to talk to the population and get them to not vote conservative. But considering that this is the same set of elections that voted for Brexit, the same people, good luck. Because Brexit's going great. Well, here's here's to Larry, the chief mouser, and my vote will go for prime minister. To Larry. Matt, that's not how elections for prime minister work. The population doesn't elect prime minister. Caleb, it is. They put forth candidates in their votes, and you vote for your MP based on who you want to be PM. And they're both BMs. That would be like saying that the American population elects the Speaker of the House. Like, we don't. If the Democrats win, it's going to be Nancy Pelosi, because it is. Although, probably not. I don't think she'll be it again. Cause... But, uh, Caleb, I don't know if you're aware of this right now, but maybe you haven't seen any RCCC uh, or whatever the Republican Congressional Caucus people are. I don't know if you've seen their ads, but they do want you to know that if you vote for Democrats, you are voting for Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you need to calm it down with that commentary. I've seen the ads. <laughs> you know what, Matt? You know what? I have seen those ads, too. I saw those ads for a Senate candidate, which I was like, what? Never saw the anti-John Boehner ads, but the anti-Nancy Pelosi ads, they're out there. So as our podcast listeners know, we on this podcast have a history of planning out podcasts well in advance uh, with purpose and intentionality. And so about 27 minutes ago, we decided what topic we're going to talk about. So, Matt, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about medieval Catholic theology, uh, which leads to the Reformation. I did a lecture today, Caleb, and it was totally random. It's probably the best lecture I've ever done on medieval Catholic theology. Okay. This is, this is a topic that I, as, as a Protestant, I have not studied very much. I've studied a lot of early church uh, stuff, um, Catholic theology up until the rise of Islam, but from the rise of Islam to Luther, I know almost nothing except, you know. Well, to be fair, we're, we're going pretty basic. Okay. So I said there are three pillars to medieval Catholic theology. Uh, it, three. Let me rephrase that. Three pieces of medieval Catholic theology that the Protestant Reformation focused on that are important to understand prior to the Reformation. What do you think those are? I'm going to say, obviously, papal supremacy. Uh, I said authority, but yes. Okay. Because I wanted to go a little bit more broad, right? You know? Sure, sure. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, purgation, purgatory. Uh, absolutely. All right. And then 
the third one, I'm going to say that it's all about kings, the divine rights of kings. Nope, that's going to fall into the authority bucket. Oh, okay, okay. See, so I made that one a little bit bigger. That's fair. Um, this one ties in with purgatory quite a bit. Oh, well, you're going to go with uh, tithes, indulgences, those sorts of things, monies? Penance. That's fair. I think that I think that purgatory, penance, and authority are all things that we deal with in the modern church. So I think that's fair. That's good continuity there. Uh, yes, absolutely. And so what I did was I got up and I proceeded to make the case for purgatory, <laughs> penance, and church authority. As you should. Honestly, <laughs> I think that we under, under look at... Um, Somebody might think that I'm being sarcastic, but I, I think that we really uh, downplay purgatory um, as Protestants. Well, and the thing is, Amanda, what is your, uh, as, as the more layperson here, what are your thoughts and understanding of purgatory? I was raised AG. Purgatory doesn't exist. You know what? That's a good answer. Do you have any ideas on what it might be? Um. I will be upfront and say that I know very little about this topic in general. So this, you might get some interesting things here. Uh, but my very basic understanding is that Catholics believe, because that's how it was told to me. I understand that more people than Catholics believe in purgatory. But Catholics believe that there is a place that you go that is neither heaven or hell, and you go there after you die. And you are there until your fate is determined. Um, and at that point there's belief that you can pray for people after they die and they're in purgatory to like get them moved to heaven. Can you pray the other way, Caleb? I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you never thought about that one, did you? I, I don't think that. Yeah. Um, I've never thought about like praying that somebody is in no because if you're not gonna make it to heaven you're already in hell so <sighs> okay <clears throat> maybe it depends on how long you're in purgatory so for, first off I started off with this idea um, of course Caleb we know that hell temperature wise is cold cold that is correct hell is cold so <laughs> we started with that <laughs> Amanda's giving you a face Caleb you need to explain. <laughs> Wait, hell is cold? The thing is, I can't see y'all on the video, so I don't know what Amanda's faces are. Because my internet sucks, apparently. So, of course, hell is cold, right? Like, hell is No, it's a lake of, love, of fire, Caleb. And love is a warm thing. And so God's love is like the sun. And so if you go somewhere where there is no sun and there is no love, of course it's cold. Just science. Okay, so Amanda, we're, I'm going to walk you through this, and I want you to tell me if at the end of this... Amanda, we need to just establish the lake of fire is final judgment, and that's different than hell. It's true, too. Okay, so I'm going to walk you through this. Not to my childhood Sunday school teachers. <laughs> what was the JBQ answer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Amanda, if you had to describe God, how would you describe him? Just like a one word. What do you think? creator oh that's a good one yeah any other uh any other words like about his character love oh god is love okay we can start there so god is love right <clears throat> and, and what does god desire from humans worship worship yeah and in worship there's relationship right so god is love you can't worship something you don't have a relationship with it's a little weird 
Uh, that's called idolization. Well, plenty of people claim to. Well, that's true too. But so God is love, right? And God wants everyone to be with him because that's, that's what he desires, right? And we know from the Old Testament that when people do the wrong thing, what does God do? I mean, it depends on who the people are. Let's say it's the Israelites, his chosen people, the people that he loves. What does he do? Uh, he threatens them and then forgives them. Oh, and you might even say at times he judges them, right? And then and then forgives, redeems them. So we could say that judgment and redemption is part of that, right? So he judges their sin and redeems them. So clearly purgatory is correct. How did we get there? Because God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants, he loves everyone and wants a relationship with everyone. And so because of that, he will judge their sin and redeem them, even if it happens after they die. Yep. Purgatory is purifying the sin from the immortal soul of the person, such that the immortal soul is worthy to be in God's presence. And we know that fire in the Old Testament is something that continually purifies because God wants to purify his people so they will be whole when he comes for them again. So then no one is going to hell. Well, not no one's going to hell. Anyone who has committed a mortal sin will go to hell. Which ones are the mortal sins? If you've murdered someone. Um, without repentance. Yeah. So if you've done a, a mortal sin without repentance, then yeah, you're going to hell. What are the other mortal sins? So the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines a grave matter, which is part of the the words. It's basically a grave matter is specified by the Ten Commandments corresponding to the answer of Jesus to the rich young man. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. The gravity of sins is more or less great. Murder is graver than theft. One must also take into account who is wrong. Violence against no. parents Sin is in said. itself graver than violence against a stranger. So, But if it's a grave sin and it's committed with full knowledge and deliberate and with deliberate and complete consent of the individual, then that is a mortal sin. And those are, as, as John tells us, there are sins that lead to death. And if there are sins that lead to death, there must be sins that don't lead to death. Like even, even the Bible tells us that there's different levels of sins. That's not what I was taught. Well, you were lied to. <laughs> the Bible says that there's different levels of sin. So clearly... We can see this idea of purgatory in the text. Yeah. So now we talk about penance, right? And penance, dude, let me tell you something. I, I had some blown minds today. <laughs> like that one in and of itself was, <laughs> was difficult. <laughs> because, again, most of the people I'm talking, Caleb, Caleb knows enough about Catholic theology that this is not a big deal, right? Amanda, how do you feel right now with the, the biblical nature of purgatory? Are you ready to become a Catholic? No. Okay. Like I'm fine. Right. Like I don't, it's not that I don't care. It's just, it's not something that is imperative to my belief in God. Like, oh, we'll get there. I'll make it imperative. Oh God. I'm, I'm like three quarters Catholic. So that's true. Now we have penance. And as we know, in Matthew 16, 13 through 20, Peter is given the keys to the kingdom and whatever he bounds or looses on earth is bound or loosed in heaven, which, of course, has to do with people and sins. Correct. The best way to read that text. And therefore, the vicar of Christ, the successor of Peter, who has been given the keys from Peter down the line of succession, is the one who has that authority on earth. 
because it was given to Peter and Peter then passes it on. And as Peter passes it on, he also appoints his uh, representatives to the world, the cardinals, the bishops and the priests. Right. Yeah. And so we all know that you have to repent of your sins. Like that's just biblical. Right. What is repentance except an act doing the right thing? So now we have penance and it's not just about, you know, doing a workspace salvation. No, it's actually repenting. It's going and, and making right the thing wrong. So if you stole something, you return it. And in addition, you give to the poor. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you stole from someone, you return and, and pay them back just like Zacchaeus did. Or if it's more of an internal sin, you might give, be told to say on our father. And here's the thing. If if you are told out of the confessional booth to say five our fathers and you walk down the street saying five our fathers, guess whose mind you are who's guess what is on your mind at the end of those five our fathers? Jesus. Right? So now you've re you've formed your mind, like Paul says in uh Romans twelve, you've transformed your mind to Christ. And so by doing this act of penance, you have repented and put yourself back in right relationship with God. Not that he was ever upset with you or far from you, but you have done the thing that you need to do to repent of that act. And this is where we get penance. And I said, wouldn't it be great if some evangelicals had to do penance? I'm looking at you, Mark Driscoll. Okay, so does everyone go to purgatory? Not everyone. Some people have already purged uh, the sin from their lives in the present age. So like, like, where's the line? Like, how far does that go? Like, it depends on how many times you've been to mass, how many times you've had communion, how many times has the grace of God come to you? And how many times have you repented of the things you have done? Okay. If you've repented for everything, but never went to mass, you didn't get all your check boxes. If you didn't go to mass, oh, it's going to be a minute. You need, you need some purification. <laughs> Listen, God, God makes those decisions, not us. Are you ready to enter the presence of Christ? And when you partake of the Eucharist, Christ is literally entering your body, which purifies you like uh, the coal in Isaiah, right? So, well, that's the thought. I said right, but then I was like, Amanda might be giving me a face. I can't see her face. So, uh, <laughs> I just have a face at this point. The coal in Isaiah, you know, when uh, he is a man of unclean lips who is among a people of unclean lips. When we partake of communion, that purifies our body. And as you've done that regularly, you are more ready to enter God's presence upon your death. And so your period of purgatory is going to be lesser because you're already more like Jesus. Yeah, you're already there. Because purgatory is only there to purge the sin from your life to prepare you to enter God's presence. So is purgatory suffering? It might be unpleasant, but it's not... It could be unpleasant joy. My brain doesn't understand. Well, that, that you know, th this is the mystery of, of God because it's unpleasant in that it might not be comfortable, but it's joyous because the bad is leaving you. Now, granted, I don't believe any of these things necessarily. Okay. I'm just making the argument that you would hear in the 15th century from most people. Most good Catholics, Roman Catholics. Okay. But now we have to put them together. And Amanda, here's the thing. I know you. You're a rich individual. Just go with it. Okay. 
It's like, I know how many iPads you have that are doing nothing. You're a rich individual. <laughs> okay. I mean, yes, comparatively in the grand scheme of things, probably. You haven't committed any mortal sins. You haven't done anything like that. But here's the thing. Caleb has, uh, he's a church planter. And they need money for their new church building. Okay. And one of the things you can do in penance is give alms. Right, you can give money. And I know you're rich. Alms for the poor? Yeah, I know you're rich, but you don't have anything really to to have penance for. So what could I do to entice you to give money for Caleb's new church building as this new church planter? Uh, ooh, I I can answer the question. Can I phone a I'll phone a friend. You can you can give money on behalf of your real jerk of a husband. Uh, so that way his time in purgatory is lessened. See, that's too far for me. Oh, that's what, that's what Tetzel did. So Tetzel decides that what the Pope needs is a new church in Rome. We're going to call it St. Peter's Basilica. And instead of you paying penance to get yourself out of purgatory, doing the, the penance here in this life, as Caleb mentioned, now what we're going to do is if you give money to this we will give you an indulgence so that you will come out of purgatory sooner and your loved ones will too. Or as the saying goes, as soon as a coffer in, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a uh, soul from purgatory springs. So uh, Amanda, I want to let you know somebody else who thinks that that was a step too far. His name was Martin Luther. I, you know, I sounds like I like this guy. Oh, just wait till you talk about the Jews. You might not like him then. So, look, the thing is, I'm fine with all of the, like, things you said. That's the until, point. Until the people got involved. <laughs> Up until indulgences, you're like, I'm following along. It goes along with what the scripture says. But are we paying for other people to get out of purgatory? That doesn't seem... It's so funny. And that was the exact... The... That is exactly what happened in class because you can make arguments for this. And they were trying to argue against those points, but you can make biblical arguments. Logically, it holds up. But then Tetzel happens and you're like, no wonder Martin Luther was so pissed off. <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense. It's like people these days getting mad about pastors having jets and like yes. Rolls Royce and like. Okay. So then Caleb. <laughs> So we've covered our purgatory and our penance, and I hope this is going as well as I think it might be. The last one is authority. Okay. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. I'll throw this out to the class. As evangelicals, what do we hold as the highest authority? God. Okay. What's next? I mean, at least we say we do. The dollar. Oh, uh, the scriptures. The Bible. Correct. So, I wrote, I write the Bible on the screen. But here's the thing. Amanda, who picked the books, the letters that are in the Bible today in the New Testament? A bunch of men. The Council of Nicaea? No, the Council of Nicaea didn't do it. But you're on the right track because it is the church. So then who has the authority over the Bible? The church. The church. In fact, Martin Luther said, do you know what I don't want in the Bible? all that apocrypha BS and he removed it from the Bible. Now, granted it may or may not have been there in the early Jewish scriptures, but he made the decision to not have it in 
his German translation. The King James version had it in his, in the first King James version translation, right? Oh, and and all of them subsequently. That's not important right now, Caleb. But the the point is, the church has control, has had control over what is in the text, right? Yes. So at some point, the church holds authority over scripture. And so I got a couple of people saying, yeah, but it's really the interpretations of scripture. (laughs) And I said, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was an organization who would tell us which interpretations of scripture are correct? (laughs) And I just drew a picture. I drew an arrow from the church right to interpretations. (laughs) That one got him too. (laughs) It was that combo. Right. It's the bishops of the church. Uh, who collect and who is the who is what bishop has primacy? Uh, bishop of Rome. The the Romans would say the bishop of Rome. That's true. And all the rest of us Catholics would say no. It could be the bishop of Avignon. <laughs> Amanda, for a while, the Pope didn't live in Rome. He was the bishop of Rome, but lived in Avignon, France, as as you do. <laughs> Like, do you want, like, if you had to pick. It's like being an inner city pastor and living in, like, Burnsville, right? It's cool. (laughs) Damn it, if that wasn't the best example we've ever heard. You know, the the Bishop of Rome in Avignon. Like the inner city pastor who lives in the suburbs. So that was class today. That, That was literally what we did in class today. And it was so much fun. To be clear, I'm, I'm like on board with apostolic succession. Which is, you know, like, of, of course you need, like, people to have passed on these beliefs and, like, affirmed that. Like, yeah. It was interesting. And, and we did talk a little bit about, we'll talk more about, you know, the Reformation next week. But I, my goal in this class period was to get them to to be empathetic toward a 15th century Christian who had these beliefs and can understand why these beliefs existed the way they did. And to understand why Martin Luther was so damn pissed off at Tetzel. Yeah. Okay, but I'm hung up on purgatory. Go ahead. Go ahead, Amanda. Like, is there a maximum time you're in purgatory? I mean, you can't be there forever because eventually you have to move on, but that's about it. But like, can you be in purgatory and then go to hell? No. Or you just go to hell if you're going to hell? If hell exists. Purgatory is a purifying place. It is not it is not punishment for sins. It is a removal of sins, which is itself painful. It's also not just like a waiting room for like the whole new heaven, new earth thing. No, the heaven is the waiting room for the whole new heaven, new earth thing. You, you await the resurrection in heaven, not in purgatory. Also, Amanda, just so that way, you know, uh, there's a lot of Catholic theologians who would say that purgatory is instantaneous. And that you are instantly purged of your sins and prepared to be in God's kingdom. Hmm. There are those people. We call them AG. Well, and also once you're dead and on some other whatever plane of existence you're on after you die and whatever, like, does time pass the same way? We don't know. You're now asking questions that are foreign to... uh... In anything. That's why it's instantaneous. It could take a long time in purgatory, but still be instantaneous. Mm-hmm. It could be perceived as instantaneous, even if it's decades. That's the thing is most of my questions about this process and most biblical processes and timelines is that like, what does time mean? <laughs> <laughs> we don't understand time. I don't understand time on this existence. So 
Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I, I just reread uh, Ender's Game last week, and, you know, the whole, we're going to go travel to another colony, and it's going to take two years, but it's been 70 years on Earth. Like, that's, that's how time works. But it's weird as heck. This week, I've read A Wrinkle in Time and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, so time is, I'm, like, thinking about it. If you were traveling at the speed of light, time does not happen. There is zero time at the speed of light. I mean, it happens somewhere. Not at the speed of light. Relativity. Okay, now Amanda's brain is broken. We need to move. We need to move no, to the tweet before me. Amanda dies. <laughs> All right, we have a fun, a fun tweet. You know what, Matt? You haven't sent me this tweet. I don't think. Nope. In a week that you haven't sent me a lot of tweets, I I don't know if it's because there aren't a lot of tweets or. This one actually got tweeted yesterday. I saw it, but hadn't I didn't send it. Uh, but then the tweet that I was going to do was the Scaramucci tweet, because that's just comedy gold. Right, but then we didn't have an animal story. Oh, we have a... In, in the show notes, there's also a, a Reformation uh, tweet that's kind of funny. Caleb, Caleb can throw it in there. And you can go back and look at that one. We should read that one. It's a, it's a Calvinism joke. We didn't really talk about that at all. No, it's just a Reformation joke. Will you? Is it the Bible Belt satire one? Calvinism summarized, Satan wants everyone, but God does not. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's the one. I didn't know about this Bible Belt satire until today. This is new to me. Okay, this one from Zach W. Lambert. That's our tweet, yep. This is what you want me to read? Yep. Here comes the tweet. Okay, at Zach W. Lambert says, What popular saying or idiom did you misunderstand and embarrassingly embarrassingly repeat for far too long? I'll go first. I thought it was nip it in the butt until like three years ago. This is this is not like that cougar from a few weeks ago. No, no, not that cougar. I, I really am throwing this out there for anyone because I don't I don't I don't know of any. I here's the thing. These are so incredibly embarrassing to me that I remove them from memory as quickly as possible. <laughs> I'm scrolling down the like replies to see if I see anything I know. Yeah, I'm I'm doing the same thing. Oh, there's some funny ones on here. Oh, oh dear. I don't know if you guys have this one, Caleb. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I don't know about popular, but I'm from semi-rural Appalachia and used to say, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Caleb, what does it mean for the creek not to rise? Uh, the, the creek is the natives rise up in rebellion and come and kill us all. <laughs> Was not aware of that one. So... This one is for me because I thought it was water. Well, luckily for us, Creek has a dual meaning, but yeah, it's definitely the natives is how the phrase started. So um, I said that at work like two weeks ago. (laughs) Like recently. That's why you got to say Crick. You got to use Crick instead of Creek. I mean, I kind of did, but like, it's the same. I can, uh, I'm mortified. I would never in my life have, would have used that phrase. This has been a rough podcast for me. Why do I, coming here, I always, it's a struggle. Somebody said, I don't know if this counts, but I thought, I don't know you from Adam was a reference to my incredibly outgoing and well-connected older brother, Adam. I, I like for all intensive purposes. It's intense and purposes, not intensive purposes. 
I feel like I've definitely heard a bunch of people say for all intents and purposes, and I have never corrected anybody. I couldn't care less when people say I could, and they don't mean that. Yeah, could care less annoys me. Yeah, that one just drives me crazy because it's illogical. Like, I could care less. Well, please try. I was not an adult, but uh, I definitely thought it was a chest of drawers instead of a chest of drawers. But it's like a chest with drawers in it. Like, it is a chest of drawers. When you live in the South... It becomes a chest of drawers. I mean, you say chest of drawers, but it is a chest of drawers. Yeah, but I didn't know that. So I've always known that it was chest of drawers, but it's chest of drawers. I knew what it was. I was never confused by it. Some some of these are really great, but I wasn't confused by most of these. Yeah, the creek one is the only one I've seen. Amanda, I've told that to other people before. And everybody I've ever said that to are mortified that they've used the phrase. So you are not alone. Yeah. Yeah, it's something else, man. Uh, someone I used to work with before I started my new position says mute point mm. instead of moot point. I saw that one on here. I mean, a mute point is a, a very different kind of a thing. It, it's a it's a good point that somebody makes in a meeting, but nobody hears. <laughs> I think we've talked about this one before, uh, but eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah, you, you and I have talked about that one. Yeah, so we don't we don't say that around here. What what about eeny meeny miny mo? It's not a tiger. We don't catch tigers by their toes. Oh, what are we what are we catching by their toes, uh, Matt? I can't say that word. We can't say that word. I'm pretty sure it's eeny meeny miny mo. Catch a tiger by its toe. That is what it. That's what people say now. But it is not the origin. Fair. That's not what you were catching by their toes. Correct. That's why we don't say it in our house anymore. Because <laughs> that one... I don't think that I've said that one since I was a child. Besides just now. To say, like, I know what it was. You know how? Because Rugrats taught me that it was eeny, meeny, miny, mo Catch a tiger by its toe. Yeah, and I mean, like, the creek don't rise. Like, that... Literally, there are creeks. And, like, especially back home, where there are creeks that if they overflow the roads, you can't get anywhere. Like, it makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. As somebody who has been stopped from traveling temporarily because the creek has overflowed, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I don't understand what this means. What are they trying to say? Worked in a family law practice where clients would request a disillusionment. I don't know. So dissolution, like, you you want it dissolved, not like a disillusionment where you're, like, made invisible. Not disillusion, dissolution. Correct. Which disillusionment and dissolution is pretty close they're real close together yeah i don't i don't like that one as much i mean that is funny though to say i would like to request help with my disillusionment and i immediately think of harry potter he's having trouble with his newts yes all right that was fun let's move on to our news which you told me you have a news story matt i do so justice amy coney barrett who, if you're not aware of how the Supreme Court actually works, there are 10 districts in the uh, United States. Nope. 13? But each Supreme Court justice is over a certain uh, judicial district. Right. And they're the circuit they're the circuit judges. They, that's how it originally was. The Supreme Court didn't always meet. They were a circuit group. 
and they would ride to different courthouses and all that stuff. And then eventually they were like, this is stupid. We need other stuff. So they don't do that as much anymore, but they are still responsible for hearing emergency um, petitions. And so uh, Barrett has rejected a bid to block President Biden's student loan relief plan before it takes effect in the coming days. The Biden plan would forgive as much as 20000 We all know that. A federal district judge this month, and I think, Caleb, this is going to be the thing that's going to halt all of these, said the taxpayers group lacked legal standing to file suit. Right. The Supreme Court has said people generally can't sue over how their tax dollars are spent. Correct. Now, granted, this will get to the court, and I'm sure they'll do something. It might not get to the Supreme Court. There's other legislation, too. Uh, Seven lawsuits, and two of them are uh, by states. So the only place they could be heard is the the court. I felt like we talked about this. We've talked about the. No, this is brand new. We've talked about the, the loan relief. I applied the other day. I haven't applied yet. I don't qualify. Because why? Why don't you qualify? I handed you that thing the other day and asked you if I had any loans that qualified, and you were like, no. Oh, I thought you didn't have any loans at this point. Do you have any student loans unpaid? Honestly, I don't know. Because if you've paid off all of your student loans, you uh, you don't qualify. Because uh, you don't have loans. Unless you paid them off in the last two years. Right. Which, let's be real. Has anybody made student loan payments in the last two years? No. I'm going to sue because I I'm not going to get any relief from this. So, uh, yeah, they don't like you like standing like there's no way these court these cases are going to be approved. And Caleb, I believe your state is one that's going to count it as income. Well, so here's the thing. Joe Biden did that after the legislature was done for the year. (laughs) It'll take an act of the Congress of the state of North Carolina to make it not taxable. Oh, okay. They could do that before taxes come due, but nobody knows what the state of North Carolina is actually going to do. Yeah, there are quite a few states, actually. I was reading a list that some of them... And so me going, you know, the some of these people who are currently running for office in, in the state, all of them Republicans, shockingly, are saying that we need to not pass this resolution to make it uh, not income. And so I'm... I'm going to wait until like January to apply for the debt forgiveness. So that way it's on next year's income. I like it. Our state is not one of those. Actually, are you sure, Matt? Because when I was reading, it said that the way that our tax, our tax law hadn't been updated and that it was kind of ambiguous and we weren't really sure. Minneapolis or Minnesota as a whole, like they're, they're liberal enough. They're not going to go against what the federal government is doing on the tax law. You'd be surprised. I don't know. Minnesota is weird. If it's not taxed federally, it won't be taxed statewide. North Carolina, however, says we don't care what the federal government does. We will tax the income we want to tax. No, no, Caleb, that's not true. The state of North Carolina says we don't care what the federal government does. In fact, we will secede if necessary. We've done it once. We'll do it again. Yeah, how'd it work out last time? (laughs) Not great. Because you're here, right? Oh, man. Honestly, good riddance. Let all them little people down there secede. Like, can't say that. We do not need a Brexit in in the American South, okay? Can't tell them to leave because then they might. So? And? Yeah, you need our dollars. There's a reason that y'all didn't let us leave before. 
the states that could leave are Mississippi and Alabama. Yeah, we'd let them. Because Mississippi costs us a lot of money. Texas, absolutely not. Texas, you are stuck. Yeah, Texas we need. California we need. Mississippi and Alabama, though, we'd be fine. I think I think it's like 61 cents on the dollar they pay in what they get back. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Mississippi is like spending it on junk stuff that they don't need. Uh, ma'am. Volleyball stadiums are not junk. The Capitol does not have potable drinking water. Yeah, but Southern Miss has a volleyball stadium. Are they giving people free water there? No, they're doing weddings. <laughs> I don't know why we I brought that up, but like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> this time you did this. I triggered oh. myself. Yep, I did it. And I'm still salty about it. Like, I cannot believe. Like, I think that most... Well, maybe not. Well, okay, Amanda. But let, let's be clear. You... Here's the thing. You know that what Brett Favre has done has owned up to his actions and he has said that he is sorry and he's not going to do it again, right? That's what he said? I don't recall that. No? No, he said he didn't know? He didn't know that they were (laughs) welfare money? He had no clue. He was just trying to get a new stadium? That's what he said? I can't. I can't. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot. And, like, the thing is, like, okay, my perspective, my opinion of government is that the government exists to protect the people. And I believe that in protecting people, you should be ensuring that their basic human needs are met. Drinking water. Cool. You make us pay for it, but at least you have it right in most places. Amanda, I just, I just need to tell you the American government exists to protect property, not people. Well, if you ask some people, people are property. Not anymore. We changed that. We can't say that out loud. But they'd like them to be still. Listen, they're only property if we can convict them of a crime. Yeah, then it's free labor. Once we convict them of a crime, they become wards of the state, and we can lease them out to plantations. And we can make it to where they can never vote again. Or we can train them to be firefighters. And then when they leave, not let them be firefighters. It's going to be a great joke. <laughs> they fixed that. To be fair, California did fix that. It's one of the best things that the state of California has ever done, for sure. But unpopular opinion, I think one, if you've committed a crime and done your time, I think you should have the right to vote. But Actually, Amanda, to be clear, that's actually a very popular opinion. That's the, pop- the only people who don't like that <laughs> are the politicians. Or the politicians who are currently elected. What happened to the swamp draining we were promised a few years ago? (laughs) Somehow it got bigger? Maybe he meant he was draining, like, other swamps into the swamp. Other swamps to make that one? That one makes more sense. It's difficult to elect a swamp monster who said they're going to drain the swamp and then believe them. Thanks for listening to the Barely Saved Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes, and merch at barelysavepodcast.com. Although, as we have learned, crocodile alligators are crocodiles. Yeah, we all know that. Is this like square rectangle thing? Yes. Same thing with turtles and tortoises. It's like all toads are frogs, but not all frogs are toads. Same thing. I did not know that alligators ate other alligators. <laughs> that, that was news to you? That was news to me. Also, 
alligators are pretty territorial, right? Can be. I wonder if this is a big mama alligator and that little brat got too close to her eggs. No, I think that alligator is one of the snack. I mean, when you're an alligator that big. You can have any snack you want. I mean, uh, the, the smaller alligator was a bigger, better snack than that flimsy little bird. Sorry, it's just playing on loop over here. I'm here for it. Oh, no, it's playing on loop on my second screen. The speed at which big alligator, because that person takes this video thinking that alligator is going to get that crane. And the speed at which big alligator comes up over that hill. Yeah, I've never seen an alligator move that quickly on land. They're supposed to be slow on land <laughs> and danger in the water. They're not that slow on land. They will outrun you on land. So I get to run in a zigzag. <laughs> That's not true. Don't do that, people. <laughs> Aren't crocodiles lower to the ground? Than what? Alligators. Alligators are crocodiles. There's many kinds of crocodiles. Alligators are one of them. I hate you both. It's just like there's many different kinds of cucumber, and pumpkins are one of them. What? <laughs> as, as are watermelons. Um, You're telling me that gourds... And melons and cucumbers are the same? All related, yeah. And cucumber is a big umbrella that they're under. Cucumber is a little umbrella. Mm, actually, no. <laughs> you guys, that that tweet. I... <sighs> like, I finally came to terms a few years ago with, like, tomatoes are a fruit. Yes. And now you're and telling so pumpkins. me that pumpkins are cucumbers. Well, think about it. Like, they're very similar. Like, slimy and have seeds inside? Yeah. Like, you just think about, like, botanically, like, they're all in the same family. It's just that cucumber is that family. So did they all evolve from cucumbers? They're like mutant cucumbers? Something cucumber-like. To be clear, cucumbers used to be one of the grossest foods you could eat until pretty recently. Like, they were considered garbage. Like how bananas used to be different? Like, cucumbers are different now? Like, until the Middle Ages, cucumbers used to be considered only good for feeding cattle. Until people bred them to actually be tasty. People would have never ate cucumbers. They just grew out in the field and were gross. All I know is a cucumber sliced up with a little tahini on it. I'm a fan of modern cucumbers. But also, watermelons in the Middle Ages were weird as hell, too.